All right, well, let's get into it. Um, I, I'm a bit fired up this morning. A couple things pissed me off. Number one, <laughs> I, I got on a bit late because um, I, well, my cat puked on the in the kitchen. Oh, okay. I didn't notice it, and I stepped in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about that for sure. Well, we don't need to talk about it that much, but well, I no, but, but it might be like a, a a cool intro. Say, Paul, I'm fired up. I stepped in cat barf today, or something like that. <laughs> well, I think we're already into it, right? Yeah. Let's uh, like so. Anyway, I was late getting on because I stepped into the into the the. It's not a lot. The, the cat and again, now we're getting into it. <laughs> the cat uh, did a, a little bit of a throw up. Usually after it eats, I think it eats too fast. So I stepped in it, and I was like, Jesus Christ! So I I. Uh, had to fix that. And the other thing too, I put, here's a first world problem. I put too much milk into my coffee. Oh, geez. I feel bad for you, buddy. <laughs> hey, I can definitely relate to uh, stepping in, in the, the cat barf. Um, I have two cats myself. And as you, some listeners. Double barrel activity. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know if this was mentioned in any of the, the prior episodes, but um, growing up as a kid, we used to have a lot of cats. Uh, the, the, uh, my parents had a, a cat shed at the back of the garden and I think was, we have talked about, I think we bit. did. Yeah. This, this sounds like I, I probably have mentioned it at some point, but for those who don't know, uh, on the show or on, in the psychiatrist chair, well, I don't know, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. But Hey, happy. cause when you say a lot of cats, what, well, like we're, just, we're talking about maybe eight to 10 cats on average. Eight. Okay. But let's Eight. keep in mind that they most of them lived in this the shed at the back of the the behind the house. We had maybe one or two cats that lived in the actual house itself. Um, but and did those cats that stayed in the house they had a certain like privilege that allowed them to do that? Or, I guess so. Yeah, made, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure what what the selection process was. Jeez, uh, this this could be a topic in itself. The the weird oh, it is, oddities yes. of of keeping lots and lots of cats. Um, but I should point out that the the shed that the cats lived in this was like my dad's like work shed, and this this shed was fully heated. Work uh, as in like uh, well, like I'm where, like where, tools. Yeah, where he kept not his like office. Work. Yeah, yeah, no, where he kept his tools and he had like a workbench and stuff like that. So it was okay. sort of like a a shed that was constructed for both you know, his tools, like a workshop area, because he would do some woodworking and stuff like that. But it was also with, with the idea that the cats would live in this shed. And it was a fully heated shed. And, and sure, was it built for that purpose? Or um, you just been using it as a tool shed? And then it was sort of built with the intent that it was going to be both. Okay. Yeah, that that he wanted to have this purpose sh- built. Yeah, purpose built. It had like a, um, like a I guess like an attic on on the above it, so you could store stuff. Mm. So it was like an extra storage shed, that type of thing. It was heated, actually, or just its own heat, or or it's like was it heated? Yeah, it was like a space heater. So yeah, during the winter okay. time, the, the cats always had warmth. It was never so like, it wasn't a fire hazard at all. I I don't know back then. Who knows? Especially <laughs> those days when heaters like got so hot, if you touched it, you'd give yourself a three degree third degree burn yeah looking back in it now some of some some of those uh those space heaters probably weren't that um probably didn't have the same safety features as they do on the stuff oh, they that you didn't. buy today so oh they didn't no. when you think back in it it's almost a miracle that there wasn't wasn't a some kind of a fire that went on that would have been pretty awful but um there was no fires everything went went very well but hey, we're we're getting off topic here. We we got to talk about you you stepping in in the in the cat vomit this morning, and that's something that I've done on many occasions as well. 
Um, so I, I have experience, you know, stepping in that and, and any, any cat owner, you know, the worst thing you can hear, and it's typically like three in the morning and you hear it from underneath your bed is, yeah, yeah, the sound of cat barfing, that'll get you up no matter what. You could be in a coma and you could be spring out of bed after hearing that and, you know, trying to, to race against time to get some kind of a, a tissue underneath the cat's mouth before it barfs all yeah. over the carpet. Yeah, that's the worst, having to clean that up. <laughs> so, fortunately, this cat normally does it on the hardwood floor mm-hmm. or, this, or the tile. So, oh, it's, so, it's so much occasionally, easier, yeah. Occasionally, we'll do it on like one of those, you know, those throw rugs, whatever mm-hmm. we have in the living room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so that was part of my morning. And, um, but I was, you know, honestly, the... The, the thing, and I don't, I'm not really in a table of contents kind of mood here. So I'm just jumping right into this. Right. So I, I, I was, I'm also a bit fired up because I've seen it more and more and more recently. And that is this prompting. And we have talked about this before this prompting at every turn for tips mm-hmm. when you're out getting fast food, when you're out, um, it's just almost anything where you're dealing with somebody on the other side of a counter, there's this prompt for, for a tip. And I got to say, it's getting on my nerves. Absolutely. Yeah. So to our listeners, um, if this sounds somewhat familiar, we talked about this, God, at least six months ago, maybe a year. We, we, we had, we it. were doing an outdoor episode. Yeah. It was, yeah I know we were so outdoors was, talking about this and I think you brought this topic. I up did. Yeah. I actually, I, I think I did. Um, so anyway, it's been several months since we talked about it. Uh, but yeah, we, we did, we did sort of, uh, discuss the, the, the concept of, of tipping and, and our, our thoughts on that. But yeah, we, we wanted to revisit this topic because I think it is worthy of, of revisiting because it, it is becoming more and more prevalent. Um, I think several months ago I had brought it up because, I think I was at a subway or something like that. And there was a, when I paid by debit, you were prompted. The subway is in the food yeah, chain. Yeah, subway foods, food chain. Um, you were prompted to to tip. And it was like eight, it started at like 18%, like 18 yes, or 21. Which is part of my issue, by the way. Yeah. So it, it's the reason why we wanted to revisit this is become, it's become more and more prevalent. I'm seeing it more and more with a lot of, a lot more, fast food places these days where, you know, it's, it's almost, is getting to the point where almost every single retailer, well, maybe not retailers, but any kind of food um, place, like whether it's a sandwich shop or even a, a burger place, like everywhere has that tip feature and, it, and it's, it's getting, I don't know what, what's going on behind it. Like, why is this now sort of catching on so quick where, um, you didn't really see that as much, let's say, well, pre-pandemic, obviously. Uh, but it, it's it's over the last couple of years where it's it's trending in that direction. Well, it did, as you mentioned, the pandemic, I think, is where we really started seeing it. That, you know, used to see like, because people were doing takeout more in the pandemic. Yeah. And they were introducing this. Uh, I know the place up the street from here that's unfortunately since closed down had started this whole I don't know what they called it, but like COVID service tip, which I guess at least they defined it as that. But I think all all based on the shortage of, of workers nowadays, um, I, during COVID, I did feel 
feeling bad for people in the service industry of, you know, the fact that a lot of them were locked down, right? So when you're actually dealing with them and, and the opportunity to give them a tip, it was because three months before that or weeks before that, there was no, you weren't even be able to do anything because they were at home. So there was certainly a sympathy factor with, okay, you know what? These guys have been off, so I'm going to throw them a, a couple bucks for for that. And I might even tip more than I would have in a normal tipping scenario because of that. So what I feel has happened here is they've just kind of kept this going and it's now showing up everywhere, whether it's a, uh, whether it's a, a full-fledged restaurant, which has always been the typical tipping place, or whether it's a subway or a coffee shop. Uh, so yeah, I think that's where it really came from was really got going during COVID, but that's over for yeah. the most part. Yeah, now. For We're sure. not locked down anymore. These guys are, uh, so yeah, I, I, that's, that's where it came from. Yeah. And, and I think we, we lose sight of the fact that, that everyone is feeling the pinch. Okay. So yes, there was sympathy towards people in the service industry during COVID during, you know, uh, lockdowns and, and reduction of hours, that type of thing. But everyone is feeling the pinch in that the price of food has gone up substantially. So, you, you know, you're, you're paying, you're paying tip on higher price food and you're being asked to tip a higher percentage. Um, you know, tipping. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. it starts at eighteen. Yeah, tr- traditionally, when you go to a restaurant, it was always fifteen percent, and I think it was fifteen percent for years and years. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But or if you're cheap, it was like ten. Ten percent if you had like lousy service or or you were a college student going yeah, and buying yeah. <laughs> food at a restaurant. I'm saying it because it was I was a ten percent guy. Yeah. But now it's beginning at 18%. So when you're prompted to leave a tip, you have to press other to type in the 15% or however much you Yeah, it's like they want you to feel a little bit shameful about it. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you're too cheap, so you got to go back out into the other category and drop it down to 15 or whatever. Or or in order to tip 15%, there's more steps to be able to do that. As opposed yeah. to just the barrier to entry, yeah, create barriers. Yeah. To, yeah. Well, and the other reason I wanted to revisit this is because recently I just uh, came back from vacation. I spent two weeks in the UK. And yes, there's been a lot of travel. Actually, yeah, but we'll get to that. Um, so in the UK, it was um, it's a very different tipping culture in in the sense that there isn't really any tipping. Um, like when you go to a restaurant. Uh, there is a 10% service, like a 10% tip that's applied to your bill and it, it's already there and, and it is optional if you wish to remove it. If you had, let's say really bad service, then you, you could remove it. But typically, yeah, they charge, it's 10% added to your bill and you just pay it and you don't have to think about it. And I think that that's a great way to do it. I think that's a very reasonable amount. Um, it's, it's less hassle for the for the consumers for the, for the customers um you know no, wait so in the pubs like i know when you go to a pub you typically would walk up to the bar and order your, your yeah and that's the right? other thing when you go to a pub you you order at the bar you don't necessarily have table service so right. you order from the bar you might tip a pound or two uh but it's it's not really expected that you would tip very much at at a pub um you know, and actually I thought that was kind of a good way to do it because, you know, you just go up and get your food. Like you don't necessarily have to be waited on, especially if it's a mm. pub where it's a more casual environment. 
you know, I can, I got my, I got my own legs. I can walk up and get my own, you know, pint of beer or, or order my own food or whatever. And if you don't want that, then you go to a sit down restaurant. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I thought that, you know, in the UK, they, they had it right in the sense that, you know, for their tax, it's included in the price. So you're not paying additional tax on anything. So you don't even see the cost of the tax. Um, and I was just think that it is much more geared to the customer, to the consumer. That's the way it should be. But here it's like, you know, you pay 15% or 18% is what you're expected. And, yeah. and, and you're paying that, that tip based on the total amount. So that includes the tax. So you're, you're tipping based on the tax as well. That's what people, yeah. a lot of people don't realize. So you should right. be tipping on the subtotal. Um, mm. so now, yeah, if, if you're going to a lot of places and, and they're asking for 18%, in some ways you're kind of tipping more like 20% because right. that 18% is on the, on the full amount, which includes right. tax. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, I did want to make a, one point about this that, that fires me up a couple things actually is that. Yeah, you mentioned the whole thing that you're prompted at the 18. Well, so I tried to go in to, so I went to a coffee shop, got a coffee, and I thought, you know what, I just want to give this person 50 cents, 50 cents. And I tried to go into the, you know, there'll be the selection for dollar amount or percent. So I went to dollar amount, and I tried to type 0.50, and it wouldn't let me put a decimal point in. So that that irritated me. So it has to be at least a dollar then, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, granted, you could, and I figured this out after as well. Actually, if I just leave a ten percent tip on a, a four dollar coffee or whatever, then it would be forty cents, or fifteen percent would be you know fifty seven, fifty eight, sixty cents, whatever. So that, so in, in hindsight, I can do that now. Is just use the percentage button, but um, that was one thing. But the thing that really irked me is my brother in law who was on this podcast recently, the pilot, he mentioned that he was also getting irritated by this and, and asked one of the merchants or the service people, I should say, Hey, by the way, this tip, does that go back to the staff or does that go to who does it, who gets this? Do you get this tip? And the person, it was like an Indian restaurant or something like a fast foodish sort of place. And said, no, that goes back to the owner. Hmm. So that irks me is that if I'm going to look at this person across the other side of the counter and feel sort of like, Hey, you know, they did a good job. Or if, if, you know, I feel bad because they've been off during COVID and all that, but actually it's not even going to that person. It's going to the owner of the, of the, of the establishment. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point that again, it's a thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, yeah, you pay, um, you're paying this amount for, for tip. And traditionally it's always thought, well, especially at a restaurant that it would go directly to your, your, your waiter or wait, yes. waitress, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's not necessarily the case. You're right. That could be going to the owner, in which case it's up to their discretion as to how they would divvy that up amongst their staff. You know, keep, keep in mind that the minimum wage, at least certainly here in Ontario, and I think most other, uh, most other provinces in Canada and probably a lot of U.S. states, um, minimum wage has gone up quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, so obviously when minimum wage goes up, then it's the employer that has to pay that. They they might be taking that tip money to offset the cost of the fact that they're having to pay higher wages. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's definitely something to to factor in. Like you don't really know where that tip money is going to. 
and I and you know I've talked about this this before in general. I think I said wouldn't if you get a chance, ask a few places whether or not they are where the tip goes. And I didn't get a chance to do it. I don't know if you had a chance to ask. No, nor did I. But I I will ask because yeah, let's I think ask. I think let's, it's, let's come back to this. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll provide an update on that in a future episode for sure. Oh, okay. So Paul, you embarked on a. I guess we call it, you called it, what was it, dry February? A, yeah. A month you chose, dry meaning not not drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm really curious about this. I've done some dry months myself. Um, and I'd, I'm curious to hear a little bit about how the experience went. This is, uh, that was just prior to your trip, I think, to, to England, if I'm not mistaken. It so was, yeah. Tell me about this. Why did you start? Why did you do dry February? Let's start with that. Why did you do that? Uh, we did it because but my wife and I did it together. Um, we did it because and your I, son. I, yeah. <laughs> your your 12 year old son now? Is he 12? Yeah, he's 12. Yeah, he's, okay. he's, he's not boozing it up. So don't worry about that. Um, yeah, we did it because we saw the advertisements. It was probably around Christmas time. Um, the there's commercials advertising the 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 dry February campaign. Brought to you by Smirnoff Vodka. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dry February. Yeah, um, yeah. Ha- have have some Smirnoff as soon the moment you're done. <laughs> okay, so who was um, advertising it? Like, so this is this is for Canadian Cancer Society. So yeah, this is this is a full out um, like a, a fundraiser. Um, and it's it's a it's a fundraiser pledge so that people the intent behind it is to um promote i guess healthy habits um to try to educate people on i guess the potential health risks when it comes to to drinking um but well, that most, was what it was linked to yeah but most importantly it's it's to is to act as a as a fundraiser for Canadian cancer because obviously you know excessive drinking can lead to various forms of of cancer mm-hmm. pancreatic I'm I'm not liver, a, a I'm sure. liver I'm I'm not a I'm not a doctor so I'm sure there's many others and I'm sure someone in the medical community community would have more to say on that but it hasn't stopped us from having an opinion that that has yeah. we have no right giving but I'm glad you put that caveat in there. <laughs> Anyway, the point being is that yeah, we decided, hey, let's do this dry February. Um, let let's prove it to ourselves that we can do this because we've always kind of talked about, oh yeah, you know, let let's let's go a little while without drinking, and it, it became sort of a, a mission. And you know, I, my wife and I are not. I was going to say heavy drinkers, we're not heavy drinkers. Um, we're we're not even big drinkers at all. Um, you know, we have an occasional drink on weekends, more so like social drinking. Um, well, at least that's kind of maybe what we thought. Anyway, we're like, yeah, let, let's do this dry February. Let's, we've been all gung ho. Um, and we did it. We succeeded. We went a full 28 days. I think they do it in February because there's only, you know, 28, it's, it's, days. It's, it's only 28 days. Sometimes and 29. It's, yeah, and it's enough of a break from from Christmas. I think by the time February rolls around, people are kind of ready to kind of detox a little bit after, um, you know, various like Christmas and New Year's celebrations and all of that kind of stuff. So well, I, I have guess, heard some people use January, but there's 31 days in January. So I yeah. think the February 28 day thing probably is a, a bit of a 
bit makes it a bit easier, sadly. For it some. does, yeah. It's it it probably is an easier sell because typically people don't really have a lot of stuff going on in February, or or so True. we thought. You, you know, it's one of those things where you don't realize that what you do have going on in February. Um, you know, we actually had a couple of birthday parties and and a few events that we went to, and it's like, man, this is a little bit tougher than what we thought it was going to be. Um, so what? Well, okay. What so was tough. Just because you're you're in a setting, or you're let's say at a, at a hockey game or something, and you're like, you know, I could. It'd be nice to have a beer in my hand right now, but it's like, no, no, can't do it. You know, it's you got to have a little bit of willpower there. Um, you what? know, you're in a situation where normally you would probably have a drink, and now you have to train yourself to say, no, I can't have it. Well, and that's so, the whole thing too, right? Yeah. So much of this, because I've gone through this experience before as well, um, it, so much of it is the social prompting, the, well, because it's always been that way factor, i.e. ball game and a hot dog, yeah, or beer yeah. and a hot dog, I should say, at a ball yeah. game. So we get this sort of socialization factor going on. And yeah, yeah and but who who says we have to have a beer at a ball well, game or a beer at a birthday or a wine or whatever. Like I'm not no, I'm not no, I'm not accusing yeah. you of anything. I'm just saying like what where did this come from? It's just muscle memory, I think half it is. It. Well th- yeah, that's that's a great question because we we do this to ourselves where you're at a at a at a ball game and you're like, yeah, I should have a beer in hand. Well, do you really need a beer in hand? No, it's just something that you have in your mind or or maybe it's just you know, you're, you're used to having it something you, you would consume at a, at a, an event or, you know, some kind of a function that you're at or a sporting event, whatever it might be. It's just something that is sort of you're used to. So when you're like, Hmm, okay, I can't go grab a beer. It's like, it seems a bit different. So I should point out that one of the things that did keep us going is that we did try some of the non-alcoholic beers and some of them are really good. Um, like you would not really notice a huge difference. The fact that there's no alcohol in it. Um, so like for example, Heineken, uh, they make a really good non-alcoholic beer. And would you, know, you describe you, it as really good or more like it's really not it's, as bad as the others? It's well, you know what? It, it's, I'm sure if you did a blind taste test, you would be able to determine which is the, the real stuff and which isn't, but it's a good substitute. Like it, it, you know, if if you are used to having that can of beer in your hand, then having a non-alcoholic Heineken was did the did the trick, and it succeeded in you know being able to stay true to your commitment to this dry February. So yeah, we that's what we did is that we we had we bought a couple of the non-alcoholic beers, and that that kept us going, and and you know that really um, it, it was a sense of pride sense of accomplishment and being able to say that yeah we did it like going a full month without drinking um and it made you realize that yes you can do it in that a lot of people be like oh, i can never give up beer or never give up wine well we did it for a month and and yeah i missed it a little bit but i didn't miss it as much as i thought i would and and that was pretty huge in itself um yeah so yeah i think that and that was was a great lesson and and something that as I said, a sense of accomplishment for yourself, but also sort of um, a, a, 
a teachable moment in terms of knowing that, yeah, you can, if there's things you can live without, it can be done. Okay. So a few things. Um, how much social pressure did you feel by the people you were going to the birthday parties for when it came to you not drinking? Actually, there wasn't any social pressure. Like once you explain what you're doing, everyone's like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's a good idea. Now, and wait, because it's a charity? Um, yeah, I guess that helped. Like we, we, I bet we it did. Yeah, we explained what we're doing. We're, we're doing this, you know, dry February commitment. But if you weren't doing it, let's say if it wasn't for charity and you just wanted to go dry for a month, um, you know, yeah, you might have some comments to say, ah, come on, have a beer, that type I of thing. I think you would. I think fact, you would, yeah. We d I did. So a couple times I've done this. Uh, one time when I was trying to get into the police force, which uh, was- a long, long time ago. 10 plus years ago, I was looking for a different career and um, I, had to, I had to get fit and ready for- the physical testing for that. And I decided to go, I think it was the month of July because the test was in August without drinking. And it was incredible how many times I would get things like, oh, you know, like everything in moderation. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but wait, you guys have no idea why I'm not <laughs> drinking. So, yeah. and what I don't need you to say, well, it's okay if I do, as long as I don't do it too much. Like, mm. you know, but out, right? Mind your own yeah. business. But I did that. I think I had a couple of cocktail events I had to go to for work. Mm. That's when this happened because um, we were out for dinner after and they were ordering bottles of wine. And that's when I, I said, oh, I, I won't be any part of the decision around what you guys want to order because I'm not drinking. Oh, why not? Like, you know, the, the nosiness. The, mm. and, and I do believe that some people get their backs up a little bit about it. It's like, well, you've, you're, what, you're, you're, you're better, better than us? Like, I got that sense. Not, no one ever said that. But I think when someone says they don't drink, especially if it's always like they just don't drink, I, I get the sense that bothers some people. Do you think attitudes have changed a little bit over the years? Like, I, I think there's more awareness. Like, I, 20 years ago, like, when you and I first started off in the insurance industry, it was very, how, how do I put this? It was very... <laughs> encouraged. It was, it, it was encouraged, yeah. Like, there was a lot, honor, a lot of socializing, you know, like, stumbling in for the nine o'clock bell with three yep. sheets to the wind, that type of thing. See if like, you could get up, be in there on time. And yeah, like, it, it was... a badge of honor to be able to not only drink a lot, but to, to survive how, it, too, be how in much, the office the next day. How much you could drink, like to bound, pound back six beers and not feel it and be like, yeah, that guy knows how to drink. You yeah. Know, it, was, it, was, it was a sense of pride. It and was. As I said, it's not that long ago, but now I, I know that things are very different. I think there's a, a lot more people have decided to, to stop um, drinking. It, a lot yeah. of it could be for medical reasons or because yep. of addiction issues. And, and that that's very important reasons in itself. We're also getting uh, older too. So yeah. there's now health is different at 50 ish than it is mm -hmm. at 24. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yes, definitely the awareness is up and um, you know, just quickly on that thing, going back to the, I remember when I started working, the guy I worked with, he said to me, Clark, you know, you're you're going to be doing a lot of drinking in this job, not yeah. on the job, but in the job. It'll mm. be after work, at lunches, so in, on the job, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, your friends will begin to look at you like your friends in your social, your private life. Well, you'll be at a party on a Saturday and your friends will be just amazed that you'll be able to drink so much and not show any effects of it. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I bought totally into it. And, yeah. But yeah, the difference, I don't think you would hear that now. I, I think in general, drinking it over lunch for at work, it's not really done so much. Maybe yeah. one beer, but going and cr- getting a bottle or two of wine over lunch and then going back to the office, mm. that was normal back like in my dad's generation for sure. Yeah, for and sure. a little bit yeah, of the time absolutely. in the beginning of my career. Um, so yeah, t- things have, have changed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back it, yes, it was a, it was a great experience in that, you know, I learned a lot about myself and, and I, I guess I, I taught myself the fact that yes, I, I can go a full month. Now, if you ask me to go dry during the month of July or August, okay, maybe we got a little bit of a different story there because I think the pressure. Well, baseball games on Sunday. Baseball we, we games. Play yeah. After the oh, game, yeah. a big part of it is going out to the parking lot. So yeah. you're always the one bringing the cooler of beers. We've all pitched in for it. Yeah. And then we're cracking those in the parking lot. Um, oh, am I an enabler here? <laughs> it's not you. Yeah. No. Hey, but that's the, everyone wants it. Everyone wants. We're all playing and it's, maybe it's a bad game or a good game. And we're like, yeah, at least we got those beers after to. Yeah. Yeah. It would be really, really tough to go dry during the summertime when there's so many like barbecues. And as I said, we got our our slow pitch team, but Hey, there's people on our team that, that, that are dry that don't have. That's right. We We do have a a guy that has a a Pepsi or whatever or or, or water and nobody gives him the gears. He's also one of the older guys on the team and probably seen as more of a, a, not authority figure, but no one's going to give him the gears for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So a couple things and I want to move on because we said we're only going to do 10 minutes on this, but I'm going to ask you a few questions. Mm -hmm. Do you or have you ever felt somewhat or slightly embarrassed uh, when you bring your empties back to the the beer store to to get your deposit back, and I don't mean to get the deposit back, but do you feel a little sheepish carting that th- those things into the back car? Maybe neighbors will see all the bottles and, and <laughs> judge you. Have you ever had that feeling? Um, actually, that's a good question. N- no, not really. Um, but yeah, actually, <laughs> you raise a good point about. Be- okay, so just to back up a little bit here. Um, so I accumulate my empties and, and typically every six months or so, oops, sorry, I bang my microphone. Have you been drinking? No. <laughs> um, okay. So every six months or so I'll, I'll, I'll take the empties back to the, the beer store. Now I should point out like what we just mentioned previously about the, um, about having the, the post game beers for the, the softball team. I collect the empties after every game. Oh yeah. So you're collecting yeah. like 20. Yeah, so usually I've got from the fifteen you know, guys that are at the game or twelve. Yeah, guys. usually after a game, we'll, we'll kill a case of beer. So I'm bringing back a lot of empties after every week. So that accumulates a lot. So for example, um, <laughs> I I went to the liquor. I dropped off a bunch of empties. This was about maybe six weeks ago to the beer store, and I had about thirty dollars worth. So about three hundred. Empties, so that would include wine bottles and mm. beer bottles and cans and whatever. That's um, a lot. So yeah, it is a lot, but no, I don't feel kind of sheepish or anything because trust me, some of the people that walk into the the, the beer store returning empties—that's what they've accumulated in a weekend—and they'll have like three hundred <laughs> units, uh, which is pretty sad. But no, actually, I think it's kind of cool showing up to the beer store and seeing how much how much you can accumulate. And you know, to walk out of there with like thirty, forty dollars in your pocket. But you see, there's a good, a, there's a good example. Like it's kind of neat. Like kind of neat. Why? 
Well, it's because you have all these empties and you walk out of there with 40 bucks. Okay, not because it it's like so, a badge so you, of honor that they'll say, wow, this guy drinks a lot. No, no, not anymore because hey, you could have empties for any reason. You might own a restaurant or, or have a fundraising okay. barbecue for all, all they know. And they never. there's no judgment on, on the beer store employees because I'm sure they see a lot of weird stuff going on in there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of cool when you can accumulate so many empties and, and you walk out of there with a bunch of money in your pocket that you didn't have before. So um, yeah, that doesn't bother me. The reason why I brought that up is because in Japan they don't you don't return your empties to the beer store or the liquor store you you just put them out in the recycling yeah. and there were times like my neighbor and I we had our stuff next to each other we had a, a we were on the street level like we could we put our stuff out on the curb literally yep. and um, I do recall a few times looking at his stash of stuff. Like, and, and uh, there was a little bit of a, hmm, looking at the wines that mm. bottles that were there and thinking, yeah, those aren't, those are good. Those are good bottles of wine. Like those yeah, are you, expensive. And, yeah, you get, and I was get looking at taste. my collection and, and uh, not necessarily thinking mine wasn't, but it was, a, I'm thinking uh, it, like we are probably both at least for a split second laying some type of judgment on one another when we look at each other's recycling when it, well, yeah. how much was there? What was there? Yeah. It just crossed my mind for a second. But, but yeah, like we don't have that in so much in Canada because so, we bring it to a special facility, i.e. the beer store. Yeah. And to they'll, return they'll give our, you, our empties. Yeah. It's like 10 cents a can or like, like 20 cents for a wine bottle, that type of thing. So it's a good way to recycle and get some money back as well. Uh, but yeah. So if, in other words, if, if you're looking at your neighbor's recycling box and it's entirely filled with wine bottles, would there be a little bit of judgment? <laughs> Maybe. Yes, there would yeah. be some type of judgment. Yeah. And I'll okay. leave it at that. All right, you got some weird news, Paul. What what's uh, what's what what is? What have you found? Okay, so have you ever heard of slap fighting? Is is that sort of like where you sort of stand on the back of your and you do this like like a kind of a three stooges sort of thing? Okay, so slap fighting um so it's bit where you have so there, there's two contestants in in you stand stationary and basically, it's like a stationary slap, like you're slapping someone on the side of the head. Okay, and can the, they stop it, or is the idea you have to allow it to be slapped? No, you, you have to allow it to be slapped. Okay. So basically, you, you you slap your opponent, and to the point where either they collapse or they they you know they give up or something like that. Wait, not, is it alternating? Uh, like you slap them, then they slap you? Yes. Or? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we should include a, a YouTube link or something. Uh, yeah, dem- okay. what it looks like for on our show notes. We could do. We should do an episode like that where I we do a slap fight. Yeah, like I've I've seen clips of it, like on uh, you know some of the weird Facebook videos or on like. You didn't um, think that was a good idea, the slap fight episode? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I brought this up as weird news because apparently this slap fighting it's becoming viral. Like the the, the slap fighting videos are are going viral. And it's actually to the point where it's being looked at as the next big combat sport. Um, apparently, the UFC, um, Ultimate Fighting Championship, so the commissioner, Dana White, yeah. um, he has actually shown interest in backing this, in, in sort of being a, um, you know, supporting this is sort of like a, a mainstream sport or, or activity that would sort of be run in conjunction with, with the UFC fighting. Um, so, yeah, this is this is. I thought this was pretty weird because I just thought it was just kind of like, um, 
you know, just a, a strange phenomenon, but apparently this, there's professional leagues out there and, yeah. and there's, there's starting to be some, a lot of money being thrown into this sport where now there, there's some major competitions and, and there's some pretty significant, yeah, there's some pretty significant prize monies being, being offered. So there's people that, and keep in mind, these are pretty big dudes that, that are signing up for this, um, that are now becoming professional slap fighters. And I just thought this was really kind of interesting and, and probably something that a lot of people didn't know about. No, I didn't. Um, yeah. the listeners may have heard of this, but I did kind of Google this as you were talking there and yeah, they got all, it looks like I see Dana White. Like, well, first of all, what got you, did you just see, cause there was an article that says that, uh, Dana White slap fighting turns head as Dana White looks to make it a, and it's cut off, but is that what prompted, prompted it or you just heard about yeah, it? Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've seen some of the videos before just thinking that it's something completely silly, but the more I'm seeing these videos, I'm like, wow, this is actually a real thing. Like I said, there, there's formal competitions and there's like, you know, national tournaments taking place in Vegas. And how long and does it, a typical fight last? You know? That I'm not. I'm not sure. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't really witnessed an entire competition or Some anything. Some of these but. dudes can take pain. So, like, oh yeah. You know, well, you look at UFC fighting. And you're like, holy smoke! One punch the yeah. nose, and I'd be like gone. Like, yeah. Like, so, I, I, is there I, a part I, of the face you're allowed to hit or not hit? Or yeah, it looks like there is definitely rules in place, um, and it's probably based on on like weight class as well, because um, there's people usually it's it's pretty big guys that are involved in this, but I think even women are involved in this yeah, as well. I saw that. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it's this new combat sport and there's a lot of concerns over the, um, the, the CTE, uh, which is the, um, the, the brain repeated drink, uh, brain trauma that we've seen in, you know, yeah. contact sports such as football. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're wondering what are the long-term effects from a safety standpoint, um, in terms of, of, you know, potential brain damage or cognitive issues down the road. But, you know, I guess depending on how much money is involved, I bet you the participants don't really care about that. Um, that they're just in it for, for the prize money sure. and, and to sort of slap an, away, slap make, me silly, make a name for themselves as a professional slapper. So there you go. You should, uh, to our listeners, check it out. It's, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if, uh, You'll be fascinated or repulsed. I don't know. It depends. But uh, it's 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 kind of weird and it's pretty interesting. Well, that's it, Paul. It's been a long time since we've done an episode. So um, we definitely need to, uh, as we always say, not let so much time pass. But I have a feeling that we'll get the next episode out much faster um, and catch up on a few of our travels because that's uh, both of us have been traveling around a bit in the last couple of months and i do on an, on the next episode want to talk a little bit about traveling with family or with other families and uh, whether you've had some experience doing that and has it been positive because i just came back from a trip where i traveled with my my brother-in-law and his family so uh let's talk about that on uh, on our next episode for sure sounds good